God, I thank you for the high praises this morning, Lord. Lord, I thank you you've come down, Lord, from heaven. You've met us here in this place. I thank you, Lord, that you are moving, you are transforming, Lord, you are touching, you are redeeming, you are sanctifying, you are delivering, you are healing. Lord, because that is who you are, Lord, I want to thank you for your great love. I want to thank you for every person you've drawn here today. And Lord, I want to ask particularly, Lord, as your word goes forth this morning, Lord, that today would be like no other, Lord. It would be a day where you touch us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit in such a profound way, Lord, that we are completely changed, Lord, that you would indeed take us to a new level of glory in you. Lord, you would give us a greater divine revelation of who you are and who we are in you and what you've called us to be and do. Mm. And Lord, I lift up this word and I ask for your precious anointing. I need your anointing. I need you, Holy Spirit, to lead, to guide. I need your grace upon my life. Mm. Lord, I'm asking that I would be both faithful to your word and so sensitive to your spirit. Lord, touch us. Speak to us here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Can you please turn with me to uh, Joshua? Reading from chapter 3. I want to ask a question. Yeah, as you can stand, as we read the word, I just want to ask you a question. You don't have to uh, put your hand up or anything, but just answer yourself. Do you know the the true will of God for your life? Has God shown you something? What? He's called you to be and do in his body. Just ask yourself honestly, do I know truly what I'm called to be and do? Because if you don't, this message is for you and I think what, not what I have to say, but what the Word of God teaches us today will actually, you'll be in that place where you can at some stage say, yes, I know what I'm called to be and do. And that's exciting because we have a purpose and we are redeemed but there's a a level that God wants to take us where we're not just saved and heaven bound it's a kingdom purpose for him and for his glory and uh, until you find that place you you may be somewhat in the dark floundering around working out what am I here for Lord yes I'm being redeemed yes I've been purchased by your blood but what am I here to do I want to read from verse 1. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant, that represents God's presence, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet 
there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Ark of the Covenant, like I said, it's the presence of God, but it also represents the power of God. And like I said earlier, God has a plan for each and every one of you, those online, everyone listening to me today, it's different for us all. It's a, a perfect plan and purpose. It's, yeah, you may be seated, it's a perfect will, but it's only found in Him. And preceding what I just read out, we know the book of Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy all speak about God's people who were wandering for 40 years in the desert and they had a promise that they quite didn't fulfill. God had a promise for them to enter into the promised land. This is where Joshua is right now. He's ready to enter into that promised land. That's what God had for them. It was God calling them into the new thing. All the promises that he had for them. They didn't enter because they wandered around for 40 years because of unbelief. Now Joshua and Caleb were the only two people from, some may call it about a million people, who are now ready to enter into the new, the, the promised land that God's going to give them. Those two plus the second generation, so those that were birthed during those 40 years, they're ready, they're on the edge of the River Jordan and Joshua's calling the people to himself, God's given them this order to arise and go, to take the land, to move into the new. But before he does that, he says, sanctify yourself because he said you i'm god saying i'm taking you into a new place joshua you and all the people this promised land all that i've set before you but first before you do that i need you to sanctify yourselves and that means set yourselves apart i need you to set yourself apart wholly and exclusively to me to god for my glory and for my worship, he says, sanctify yourself. So separate yourself, set yourselves apart and walk cleanly before me. That was before they entered into this new. Because when God moves you, when God moves a church or you individually into the new, you have to remove the old. That's what they were doing. When God moves you into something new, individually or corporately in the church, He has to remove the old. There has to be a, a sanctification. There has to be a work of God moving in us individually and corporately. And that means for you and I, old thinking, old ways of living, maybe that we've picked up and we've carried whilst we've been a Christian or even whilst we've picked up while we've been a Christian, while we've been walking with God. These things are old, old thinking, old ways of living. And we have, you and I have the power of the Holy Spirit to do this in us, to transform us into 
Christ-likeness, but your unrenewed mind will never take you where God wants you to be. Now, your mind, you've been born again, yes, your mind is renewed, but it's not complete, it's not perfect. Our mind, mine and yours, has to be continually renewed. It's not a once-off, it's a a continued thing. Now, there's a condition to that. There's a condition that the Holy Spirit come in and renew us, remove the old, so we can come into the new. There's a condition for that to happen. For Joshua and the people to move into the new, to all that God had willed for them, the promises, the promised land. The condition is in Romans chapter 12. And I want to spend some time there. We turn to Romans chapter 12. This is a New Testament version, if you like, of the passage I read out in Joshua. He says in verse 1 of chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here we're in chapter 12. Now, the first chapter 1 to 11, they are all, it's all theology. It's all about what Christ has done for you and I. It's all about the mercies and the grace through Christ, all that he's done, how he's freed us from the law, how he's freed us from sin, how he's bought our forgiveness. And then he comes in chapter 12, Paul, and in verse 1, so in light of all that, he says, I I beseech you therefore, in other words, I ask you urgently in light of what Christ has done. Let me, that's my paraphrase of that first verse. In light of what Christ has done for you, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. So in light of all that Christ has done for us, Paul is saying, the very least you can do, the very minimum you can do, is present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And that, that is a reference, the living sacrifice, or the sacrifice rather, is a reference to the Old Testament when, when the people made offerings. They offered the ox and the sheep upon the altar. And that was to offer, and, and that was f- to bring people back into relationship with God. It was a way that they could approach God and restore relationship with Him. It was done through sacrifices. It was done for peace offerings it was done for sin offerings we today don't do that of course because Christ has paid that he's done that work he was the atonement for our sin so he was the perfect sacrifice but Paul is saying here you and I we are going to be a living sacrifice we're going to present our bodies as a living sacrifice and some people are willing to maybe die for Christ they're willing to be a martyr but they're not willing to be a living sacrifice And to present your body a living sacrifice, 
just solely means that I am like the people did before the Jordan. I'm willing to completely set my life unreservedly to God. I'm going to completely yield to the Word. I'm going to completely yield and obey everything that He leads me to do by the Holy Spirit. Unreservedly, I'm going to be almost like a blank check. I'm going to put myself figuratively on the altar, which is where they used to offer sacrifices. Figuratively, I'm going to offer myself there to be used by God, however way that looks. If He calls me to go to Mongolia, if He calls me to go to China tomorrow, I'm going to say yes. That's the attitude that we ought to have. Whatever God calls us to do, we are going to say yes because it's part of His will. Because you and I, we don't, well, our bodies are not our own anymore. We don't actually own our bodies. And I want to illustrate that in, in 1 Corinthians 6.19. I'm going to read it out. 1 Corinthians 6.19-20. Paul says, Or do you not know that your body, this is your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, it's quite possible to do a lot of things for God. That's good. We're called to serve Him. But it can be at your convenience. You can do a lot of things, but you're not necessarily or have not yet necessarily actually laid down your life reservedly. You've completely sanctified or set yourself apart for God and to God to be used in whatever manner that He pleases. Now, that sounds a little bit uh, restrictive, you might say. Or maybe you've never heard that before, that it's not just a walk in the park where we're saved and we just wait out our time until Jesus returns. Maybe you've never heard something like that, that we're called to offer ourselves and to give ourselves to God. But I'll read something else out to you, and this is in Matthew 16. It's in 24 to 25. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So if you're actually willing to be that vessel for God and set apart solely for Him and for the purposes of His kingdom, you're not going to be put to shame. You're, you're actually, what I just read out, you'll actually have life rather than it be taken away, which is contrary to our thinking. We think that the more we serve, there can be a fear of giving too much, where we uh, fear of giving our lives too much because then I won't have any pleasure and then I won't have any joy and I won't have any free time. But it's completely contrary to that. Completely contrary to that. Because Jesus says you will find life when you do that. Now also want to say if if you don't present your body as a living sacrifice like 
Paul is calling us to do. If you don't present your body, you're not in a position to find the will of God. And that's why I asked you at the, at the very start, do you know what you've been called to do? Do you know God's will for your life? Do you know His plan and purpose accurately? Because it all hinges on what Paul said. Firstly, you've got to present yourselves a living sacrifice. God can't transform your mind until He has your body. That's the only way he can begin to transform your mind is first he has your body. God is a gentleman. He does not come in uh, unannounced or uninvited, I should say, without your permission. But he knows that if you give him your body, he's already got your mind because he'll have your whole being. So he asks for our body so that he can begin to renew us because what I read earlier in Romans 12, give your body, he says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Renew your mind, and then you will have the will of God. Then you will know it. Now, he says in verse 2, I'll read it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this comes next. Once you've given your body, God then begins. So not only are you to give your body, but Paul says, do not be conformed. See, this world that we live in, we are called to be in the world, but not of it. But this world, whether you like it or not, has a form and it has a shape. It has ways of thinking. And we are not to be conformed or we are not to be shaped by the world's ideology or shaped by the thinking of this world. Things like uh, this life only in view, um, my job security and Job success is my number one thing that I'm looking for. I do what feels right. Convenience, living for yourself. These things are all manners of thinking that the world has, but we are not to be like that. See, when we value the same things as the world does, we put value, we put our trust and our value in those things, we actually become worldly our mind is then not renewed. Our mind's not, re it's, yes, it's, it's renewed, well, it's unrenewed rather. It's going backwards. It's being, it's being tainted by the things of this world. When we take on those principles and those value systems. So our minds need to be renewed not only to know God's will, but also Romans 8, 6 to 8 says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, so that's like the fleshly mind. That's when we just operate in our own natural thinking without being led by the Spirit. It's just a fleshly carnal thoughts. It says, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So whenever we're walking with a, a mindset that is carnal, like Paul says in Romans, or it's fleshly thinking, the, world, the way the world thinks, that is en enmity, which means it's in opposition to God. It's actually, 
it actually resists God. It's, it's, head, it's headbutting against the things of God. So we need to be aware that the flesh, those things of the flesh, is complete enmity. And he finishes by saying that it doesn't please him. It's only faith that pleases God. But when we offer our body, like I said, when we choose not to be conformed to the things of this world, then God, by His Holy Spirit, can come in and start to transform us. He will start to begin to transform our minds. I meet so many people who... It's, the battle's in the mind, we know that. And you may be struggling today. You've, got, you've had things for years. You've had depression, you've had mental illness, you've, had, you've struggled with fear and anxiety. You've struggled with trauma, dread, terror, all these things in your mind. And it could have been for years, but God wants to remove that. He wants to renew your mind. But there's one condition. There's one condition to the Holy Spirit coming in and doing that the Holy Spirit coming in and showing you God's will and purpose and plan. Firstly, like I said, I'm going to keep coming back to it. It is present your bodies. Give yourself to God unreservedly. Set yourself completely apart for Him and His work. And that's a big cost. And it's a sacrifice, literally. And it will be painful. When is a sacrifice not painful? But I want to tell you, there is a great joy in serving God. There's a joy like no other when you are serving God in your calling. Now, I want to just speak on how the Holy Spirit transforms us. How does He do that work where we are in that position to receive that transformation? What, what happens? What are we to do for that to occur? 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. That's the image of Christ, the glory of Christ. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, to, to be... To be changed by God, it's by the Spirit of God, He says we are changed in the glory. That it means that when we are in the Word, and the, James said the, the Bible, the Word of God is like a mirror, it reflects back to us where we are, where we're not. When the Holy Spirit actually gives us revelation of something in the Word, in the mirror of the Word, of where we could be in Christ, when we receive that revelation, then we are taken from glory to glory. So, in other words, we are changed continually into what you and I were created to be. That happens in the Spirit, but it happens when we are in the mirror, which is the Word of God, when it's reflecting back to us and the Holy Spirit is giving us revelation. That's when we're transformed. We're taken from one level of glory to the next but I want to tell you that God can't transform you when you're not looking at the mirror he needs to transform you through the word 
because it is the word that is truth. And this renewing, it means renovation. So like when you renovate your house and you completely gut the interior, remove it and you come in with something new. That's where the word comes from, renewing. It's like renovating. You're, you're taking out the old and you're putting in the new. That is the place where you're positioning yourself to know God's will and purpose for your life. In Colossians 3.2, it says that we had to set our minds on things above, not on the earth. So we are to have that eternal perspective of what we're living for. We are not to be looking in the natural. We're not be not to be hoping for the things in the natural, but to have an eternal mindset, to have an eternal perspective of what's to come, that Christ is coming that we want to be people who are prepared, that we want to be a people doing His bidding, doing His will, doing everything we can in this life. The rewards come later. They come in heaven. But for now, we are in this place with that eternal perspective and that, that is what's going to carry you when you actually have a, the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got a, a, an earnest expectation of good. That's what hope is. Now, your mind, when it's renewed, you're going to begin to have new thoughts. So when you have be start having, when your mind's renewed and you start beginning, beginning to have new thoughts, you begin to live differently. So that's Christ's purpose for every one of you. Whatever you're struggling with today... It's a good chance your part of it is the enemy, but part of it is your mind hasn't been renewed. And your, your, your thinking patterns and the way you live your life is according to your thinking. But Christ wants better for you. He wants, he wants your mind to be conformed to His. He wants His purposes fulfilled in you. And that takes a yielding, that takes a setting apart. And like I said, it, that is something that's sacrificial. It's something that we've got to do by our own free will. It's a choice of our will. And some people believe today that God will do it all. And there's a lot that He does do for us, for you and I. But there's some things that we do. And God can't offer ourselves on the altar. We have to offer ourselves. But your mind will be changed. Your thoughts will be changed. Your values will be changed. Your principles will be changed. Your standards will be changed. Your ambitions will be changed. Your whole way of thinking will be changed. And then, in that process, this is continually, this will be from the day Christ returns, you're going to be continually transformed and renewed in your mind. But as this happens, Paul says you'll be able to prove God's perfect will. In other words, you'll be able to discern it or you'll be able to um, find out by experience 
with the renewed mind what the will of God is. Because it comes from that renewed mind what that will is. I want to read it. It's in verse in 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. So you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I want to tell you that it is good. Some of you may be thinking, well, I don't actually want to, I'd rather not know what the will of God is because he might send me to some far-end country that I don't want to be in and call me to do something I don't want to be. But it says there, you may prove what that good, the word good, and it says acceptable and perfect will of God is. So we know whatever God has for you, that it's good, it's acceptable, so you'll accept it, you'll find joy in it, you'll accept it, and it will be perfect. That's in the, in the church, because that's the primary function of you, is it's in the church, you've got a calling here to do something, out in the world as well, of course, to win souls, but also those areas of your life, the, your family life. The direction that God wants to take you with maybe your business. Everything comes from that renewed mind. But it starts. It starts with giving yourself at that altar. It begins with presenting your body a, a living sacrifice. To set yourself apart to Him completely unreservedly. Like I said, a blank check. Now, I'm going to close now, but I want you to think about what I've spoken. And if you're someone, like I said, who doesn't know God's will for your life, you don't know what purpose you have outside of being born again, you are struggling mentally. And you need Christ to come in. You need the work of the Holy Spirit to transform your mind. Not once, not twice, but forever, like I do. We're all in the same boat. We're going to be transformed continually. But if you've never come to that place where you've actually spiritually offered yourself on the altar of God, where you've actually unreservedly, like I said, given yourself solely to him you've actually completely surrendered you've completely yielded your body because it's not yours remember to him if you if you haven't ever come to that place as we worship you might want to come down you may want to stand you may want to come down and just kneel before god and it's going to take an act of your will. No one's going to pray for you because this is something between you and God alone where you actually come before him and you say, not my will, but yours be done. Where you're actually saying to God, right from this moment forward, I want to know all that you have for me. I want to know all according to your purpose and plan for my life. I want to know it, Lord. I want to be in that place where I am 
used by you in your will, because I know it's good, I know it's acceptable. I want you to transform me into a greater, a greater level of glory, because you and I are to go from glory to glory. If that is you, as we worship, you just come down and you just have a one-on-one with God. You're just saying, God, I'm here to be set apart, sanctified. That's what set apart means. That's, that's the first part. The other part is Christ working in you by His Holy Spirit. I want to be set apart. I want to be used by you, Lord. I want to know what you have for this life. If, if that is you, then, like I said, you can come forward as we worship and you just, th- this decision will change your life, but you need to know that. This, this decision to actually give yourself to God completely will change you and you'll never be the same. But it's going to be good because you're going to be transformed. You're going to be taken from one level of transformation to the next. Your thoughts are going to be renewed. You're going to be thinking differently. You're going to be living differently. You're going to be walking in the abundance that Christ has purchased for you in his will. And he'll be making known to you that as you go. He'll be making known. He'll be making it clearer. It says there that he will, you'll prove it. So you'll work out. You'll understand it as you go. So Lord, I want to lift up right now this time and... Lord, you see every need. You see every struggle. Lord, and I thank you that you are not far from us. I thank you that you are here in your presence. And Lord, I want to lift up every heart. I want to lift up every mind, every struggle. And I thank you, Lord, that there is better, that there is hope. Lord, that there is a great will. There is a great purpose and plan for every person here, young and old. Father God, you have called us. You want us to be completely set apart for you first. Before you can do anything in us, Lord, you want us, Lord, to come before you as a living sacrifice. You want us to be a people who are not conformed to this world. You want to do great and better things in us. You want to renew us and take us from glory to glory. So, Lord, I want to ask right now, Lord, that there would be no emotion in this room, but Lord, that it would just be a complete decision by one's will to come forward and walk into trusting, Lord, that you've got a great purpose and plan. Because Lord, when we are in your hands, we are in the best hands. And also, maybe you're someone who's taken yourself off the altar and you want to put yourself back on. You too come forward. Lord, I ask right now that you would touch and you would transform. Lord, this would be a day where people are completely set apart for you, unreservedly sold out, set apart for your kingdom, for your purpose, and for your will, Lord, to bring you glory. Lord, I'm asking that, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would breathe and you would minister fresh life. You would come and you would bring hope. Lord, that you are a good father. And I want to thank you for your great mercy and your grace. I want to thank you for your faithfulness, your abounding love. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would do something. You would touch in the power of the Holy Spirit those lives that only you know how. 
Lord, we just commit the rest of this time to you, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Have your way in us, in Jesus' name.